Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes. And it all leads up to one winning, winning try. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. Of course, I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita show on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. And Ravens win big on Sunday, Cordell, 38-6 to against the very popular Detroit Lions who came into the game uh, although the Ravens were three-point favorites, they were favored, they meaning the Detroit Lions were favored by national media largely, and the Ravens found a way to silence um, the Lions on Sunday. Uh, one of the things that I think is important to talk about as we get close to mid-season, because we are approaching week eight of the NFL season, um, is the play level of Lamar Jackson. And I don't think if you looked at his stat sheet, you'd say, hmm, I definitely think that he's an MVP candidate. But if you watch his play this year, I think to me it's obvious that he should be um, in the conversation of MVP candidacy. As of right now, it's going to be um, Patrick Mahomes is the favorite, um, and then there's Tua, and then there's Jalen Hurts, and understandably so, right? Well, well, at least for Jalen Hurts, Tua might get knocked down a notch because it appears, as of right now, that the Dolphins don't play well against good teams. Um, but Lamar should absolutely be in this conversation in terms of the way um, that they played. And I want to give you a couple of statistics um, Cordell. Um, so first and foremost, um, he won his 50th career game and 68th career starts. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, he is third in the league currently in passer rating, fifth in the league in yards per game. So uh, again, if you just go and look at statistics in terms of win uh, touchdowns and interceptions, you're going to be like, ah, I don't really love that. But his completion percentage has been through the roof. His, uh, again, quarterback rating has been phenomenal. And even his yards have been something to, you know, be uh, excited about. So when you look at this MVP race and the guys that are around him, what chances do you feel that Lamar Jackson, who is currently plus 700 to win the MVP, what do you see? Um, in terms of his competition and how realistically Lamar could be in terms of winning an MVP this year. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely believe he 
is, if nothing else, in the conversation. Um, you mentioned a couple of candidates. I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is definitely uh, going to be up there. Honestly, for my money, I would probably say that Tyreek Hill is in it probably over Tua at this at this point. And should be, quite frankly, yes. And, and I definitely agree with you about Miami. I mean, not only do they struggle to beat good teams, but I just think they struggle to be good teams on the road till you get them out of Miami. I mean, you, you, you're probably going to get a more um, human team. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, maybe Hurts, but I would make the argument for Lamar over Hurts right now. Um, me personally, uh, maybe Christian McCaffrey is in there as well. I mean, the dude scores a touchdown every week. I, I, I just feel like he has to be in there. But I say all that to say Lamar Jackson definitely has a shot to win MVP. I mean, Lamar is just as electrifying as any of those guys. Um, he can the, – the question with Lamar is, A, can it be – is he going to be consistent? You know, is this going to be – is this offense going to be consistent? I mean, and it goes through him. Is, is he going to be able to do that every week? Because that's one thing you can say about a Patrick Mahomes. Every week, you know what you're getting from him. Tyreek Hill, pretty much at this point. Every week, you know what you're getting from him. Christian McCaffrey, every week, you know what you're getting from him. Lamar, I think you know what you can get from him. But I don't know if it's to the point to where you're saying, oh, yeah, man, Lamar is going to look like a top three quarterback every single week. It's not to that point, but I I think it can be. And if it does, I mean, who who better to to win it than him? Because um, I don't know if even including Mahomes and and Tyreek Hill, uh, Lamar probably has more wow, more of the wow factor than I think anybody in the – MVP race right now and so that's really what it'll come down to who's going to be more consistent and who can put together the most spectacular performances and um, I I think Sunday's game was a huge momentum boost for the Ravens and Lamar huge confidence boost Lamar as a passer is really um, he's really showing how dominant he can be as a passer and I've always laughed in the past when people are uh, debating on whether or not Lamar is an actual uh, accurate passer. I can't get over all these stupid, and I got to say stupid, (laughs) anonymous uh, rankings or whatever these people do. I always think back to that one anonymous executive that said it doesn't matter how many MVPs Lamar wins. He'll never look at him as a top 10 quarterback. I mean, to to even hear that, it just lets you know how people feel about him. Forget him as a player. People just don't like this guy. I think when you look at how the national media changes their opinion on him from week to week, um, Lamar is very easy to criticize, especially in the past with the offense that they were in, with the people that they had around him. I just always found it funny that people can say that this dude can't throw the ball because he's throwing to, and I'm being nice, C-class receivers. C-class. You're being very nice. I mean, those dudes, how many of those dudes even are still playing the league? Right, exactly. So, I mean, to to that's just laughable to me 
that there were, including Ravens fans, calling into my show, including this offseason, where Lamar's future was up in the air. I haven't forgot about you guys. That's right. I had somebody that called into my show talking about how Anthony Brown was the guy that the Ravens should be going to over Lamar. Oh, yeah. Now you, Anthony, that tells me, because I am, I like Anthony Brown. I do think that he has There's nothing against him. But Anthony Brown, uh, who I, you know, not with the team anymore, and we wish him much success. Um, uh, If you look at his mechanics, he has a lot of work to do, uh, particularly with his arm motion. So that's how I know y'all hate on Lamar, because Anthony Brown has one of the slower windups in the NFL which will essentially get more interceptions than it will touchdowns in that regard. So you, you, we did not forget the North remembers. We heard a lot of jargon and talk because Lamar obviously wanted what he felt like he was worth, which is nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And you guys definitely said a lot of things and now you have to eat crow. Yeah. Uh, Pun intended, actually. Literally. he has played (laughs) at such a high level this season. Yeah, I mean, he has. And uh, Bill Polian is in there. All of those national guys, all of them, all of them, fans included. And you look at his passing numbers, they they chart what they define as money throws. Money throws, which are just, just what it sounds like. On target, hitting wide open guys and hitting them with perfect accuracy. Lamar has 13 money throws this year. That is good for second in the NFL. For somebody that's supposedly not accurate, I, it's it's tough to hit people down the field if they can't get open down the field. But then you give them Zay Flowers. You know, Rashad Bateman is starting to really, I mean, I, I've, I've been saying all year, Bateman may have had his issues catching the ball and maybe getting on the same page with Lamar, but Bateman's been getting open. He's he's been able to to run his routes. Uh, Andrews is still a dog. I mean, Aguilar has been a godsend for them because sure you talk has. about efficiency. He doesn't. He's got. He got one pass thrown to him on Sunday, and that was a touchdown. It's been a couple of times Aguilar has done a lot with less. So I say all that to say I know we're talking about Lamar as an MVP candidate. But I'm bringing up all these guys around him because they're the reason that you're able to see how good Lamar can really be. In the past, it's been Lamar, go do it all. Go be the leading rusher. Go out there and throw guys open that can't get any separation, that can't run a route. Go throw guys open, not to mention the scheme that they're in isn't even passer friendly. So you got to fight the system that you're in as well. Go do everything. And now you're watching it to where he's got so many yak receivers that all Lamar has to do is put the ball on them, which he is very much capable of doing, and let those guys do the work. And that's what Lamar was talking about coming into the season. He wants to allow the guys around him to make plays. He believes in his guys. He's getting the ball out to them quick. It's it's not always down the field, but they're still able to get some of those chunk plays. So, I just think Lamar's doing a great job of executing to the best of his ability uh, what Todd Munkin is asking him to do. And it, it is the proof is in the pudding. I mean, that offense that we saw on Sunday against the Lions, I don't know how often we'll see them clicking like that, but I think everybody can agree that that was the type of performance that we all knew that they were capable of putting together.
Absolutely. And that's, I think, the expectation of what we thought that this offense would be. And and look, them having, you know, some inconsistencies in the first couple of weeks to me was not surprising. I, I expected that just based on the fact that, you know, nobody had a lot of preseason snaps and then you had some injuries on the offensive line as well as to Odell. So, you know, you definitely knew it was, it was probably not going to all come together right away. But this offense that we saw on Sunday is the offense that I think many of us had expectations for getting the ball spreading around. He threw to eight different receivers, um, having the opportunity to make plays because the offensive line was solid that day. Uh, and, you know, ultimately Lamar has just played at such a great level. He currently has 71% completion percentage. So once again, he is, his numbers are saying the naysayers, which I would like to say, I don't really hear much talk about the whole running back situation. You know, every now and again, you'll hear it. But Lamar is now getting more respect um, in terms of who he is as a passer. And and I think it's because you don't have a choice. He ain't giving you many options here. Uh, There's not a lot of room for error for you to argue about Lamar's accuracy and his decision making thus far. Real quick, I just wanted to give like some efficiency numbers to go along with what you were just talking about in terms of his completion percentage and his accuracy. Lamar right now, his true completion percentage, 75.2%. That's good for fourth in the NFL. His red zone completion percentage, 69.6%. That's good for fourth in the NFL. His clean pocket completion percentage, where he's not getting pressure, uh, 73.1%. That's good for fourth in the NFL. When this dude gets time, he's clearly dangerous as a passer. And even in the red zone where this offense has struggled at points this year, he's still accurate as ever in the money zone. I mean, it, you, you really can't ask for much more from Lamar right now. I agree. And I wanted to clarify, I, I said 71%, but that was from the Lions game. I didn't mm-hmm. um, make that um clear and thank you Cordell for following up with his season um, statistics as opposed to me just mentioning his 71% uh, against the Lions on Sunday so Lamar continues to play well and I have to assume that that's going to continue as this offense finds a way to gel more let's stay with the offensive side of the ball Cordell Um, Lamar we've talked about already ad nauseum has played at a very high level but this offense overall has started to find their rhythm and starting to step up. And it's funny because, you know, the Titans game, while I think a lot of people were frustrated about the situation in terms of they were getting to the red zone, they were getting, you know, um, close enough, but they weren't scoring touchdowns. They were scoring field goals. It feels like they're finally trying to come to fruition in terms of what it is that they want to do coming into that game. And we talked about this last week. um, The lions, I believe DVOA on defense was fourth overall. So, I mean, they were toted very highly. Now I always question how good are they because of the schedule that they had, but I also understand that the schedule is the schedule and it's nothing you can do about that. Right. Um, But ultimately the Ravens definitely, um, offensively handled their business against a team that coming into M&T Bank Stadium was told to be very good on defense, particularly at the front seven position. So when you look at this offense and, and you start looking at who they play down the stretch, because they're going to have to play the Steelers again. They're going to have to play the Browns again. And we know, look, they were successful against the Browns, right? And who have one of the better defenses as well. They also have to play, you know, San Francisco. So these teams that are, 
known to have decent defenses. When you look at what this offense did on Sunday against what was supposed to be a good defense, how confident are you about them moving down the stretch? I mean, you got to feel confident about them. Now, I don't know how confident you should be that that's the offense you're going to see every week. I mean, that that still remains to be seen. Um, this offensive line has had their warts at times this year, but they look really good against that Lions front, which had been so dominant to this point. And we've talked about this a couple of times, Rita, just um, this team playing to the level of their competition. I wonder – can this offense can them as a team? But defense has been there every week. I, I, I'll, I'll kind of leave them out of it. But offensively, can they stay as? Can they go into that Arizona game as pumped up to play the Cardinals as they were to play the Lions? I don't know. It's it's a it's a huge difference going from playing a team that was what five and one had the one of the top defenses in the league. So now going out to Arizona playing a one-win team, I mean, it's easy to fall. Oh, it's very scrappy, by the way. I mean, yeah, you scrappy. know, like it's not that they're getting blown out. They're no, they're hanging around, you not know. At all. I mean, that, that Cardinals team is better than I think a lot of people anticipated. Um, we all thought that the Cardinals were going to be the worst team in the league. And their record is down there. But I don't think – I agree with you. Watching them this year, they are scrappy. Um, so I can't, I, I'm, I'm wondering, can this offense stay engaged? Can they stay locked in? Can they, you know, go and repeat those, uh, that, do, that dominant performance in Lamar, we talked to him after the lions game. And like I said, looking at him at the podium, you wouldn't have been able to know that they had just won the game, you know, and his big thing was consistent, staying consistent, not wanting this to be a one-off. And there are a couple of things that we saw on Sunday that I think that, they need to try to incorporate into the offense as much as possible to do, to replicate uh, that success. Number one, the threat of Lamar as a runner is just the ultimate cheat code. I mean, we talk about the tush push and how much of a cheat code that is. Lamar tucking the ball in is just as, uh, as much of a cheat code as that, to be honest with you, because all 11 on the defensive side of the ball have to respect him as a runner, they have to. So you can run that type of play that they hit on to Mark Andrews, the type of play where Gus Edwards, I think, kind of went rogue and did his own thing, but it ended up working out. That type of stuff is going to be there for them every single time Lamar leaves the pocket. They have to force defenses to play honest because that puts the defense in an impossible situation on whether or not they're truly going to respect the one receiver that's going down the field, or are they going to look at Lamar Jackson in the open field, who's arguably the most dangerous open field runner in this league? Um, another thing that I feel like they need to do that they did on Saturday, um, they were able, I mean, first of all, the wide receivers did a great job. And John Harbaugh talked about this. I think it was, I think it was John Harbaugh that talked about this after the game. Um, just the fact of, oh, I think he talked about this on Monday, actually. Them be receivers running their routes uh, as as precise and as strong as they did, even when they're not getting the ball, because that opens up a lot of that stuff down the field. You think about the first play of the game where Lamar hit Zay on that deep uh, end route. I mean, if it's not for the, uh, the the slot guy running his fly and really selling it to clear that area out, Zay's not as open as he was. 
And then you think about a couple of plays later where Bateman had got hit on that curl route. Harb said that Bateman was the fifth option on that play. You know, so to right. even so for Lamar to a make that read and get all the way over to his fifth option, but also for your receiver who knows he's the fifth option on the play to go out there and run his route the way that he did to still get open. That's the type of stuff you need. I do wonder if these receivers have been as engaged uh, as they were on Sunday the rest of the season. It's been times where you don't feel like guys are running their routes to the best of their ability. It does sometimes feel like guys aren't locked in throughout the course of the game. That was case in point in the Steelers game where you have all those drops. That's just a byproduct of not locking in and not focusing. Um, but I, I also think the offensive line, which, had, like I said, has been a little shaky. They they were pretty stout on on, on uh, Sunday. And if they can do that against that Lions front, I don't think there's any reason why they can't do that to pretty much any front that they face. Um, but they did a great job of just staying on schedule. The running game was there even outside of Lamar, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill. I think combined for about 110 yards or so just for themselves. Uh, before, and that's without Lamar's 35 or whatever, however many yards uh, he had on the ground. So um, it, it was just a byproduct of guys doing their part, not waiting for Lamar to come save the day. Offensive line, not hoping that Lamar just makes three guys miss in the backfield. Wide receivers, not just waiting for Mark Andrews or Zay Flowers to get theirs. Um, I, I just, I just like the fact that everybody out there decided to. Uh, make something happen on their own, carry their weight. And if that's going to be the case, I think this Ravens offense is going to be tough to stop week in and week out. And also Todd Munkin called the plays like he did. I mean, the creativity was there. They hit the Lions where it hurt. It seemed like they didn't really give the Lions a break. They didn't go away from what was working. I thought the red zone play calling was phenomenal. I've been begging for Lamar Jackson runs in the red zone in every trip. And that's what we got. There should never be a red zone trip that the Ravens offense has to where Lamar Jackson doesn't get a carry. That that to me is malpractice. So long story short, do what you did against the Lions. And I think <laughs> long story short, didn't want to hold you, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with you. My favorite thing about what we saw on Sunday was just essentially how, like you said, they had to respect Lamar as a runner. And yet Lamar was continuously looking down the field and, and making plays The play to part project. Pat, Pat Ricard was mm -hmm. one that, you know, was great because the, the everybody's coming up. They think that he's running and yet, you know, he throws the ball to Ricard. Another one, um, the one that you talked about for Andrews, that was similar to the one that we saw last year in the New Orleans game yep. with Isaiah Likely yep. um, being the person on the other side of that. I would love to see more of that. Mm -hmm. Make people respect you as a runner, but make them respect you as a passer. I mean, you are literally putting these defenses in conflict when you are doing those types of things, shifting and moving, you know, acting as if you're a runner. And then yet moving the ball down the field. So I, I, this offense, to me, the sky is the limit. Or what Michael Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to, you know, what it is that they can do. And it, it yes, it does obviously start with Lamar as well as that offensive line. But just being in sync with guys, um, I definitely think is important. I did see Kurt Warner mention that, mm -hmm. oh, you know, he, he kind of was like, it's still – some things they still look junky. And clunky. Clunky. 
and clunky. Um, and I think I do understand what he's trying to say because mm-hmm. there there's still some spacing issues that needs to be worked out. And I've, again, I've always contested, like there's probably certain guys that are allowed to run some options. And so at times you're, you're going to see two guys in the same area. That's going to happen. And I think that that can be cleaned up. Um, but overall, you know, the I think the biggest thing for this offense has been consistency. It's not, you know, yes, the, I, I'm not saying that that won't be a factor moving forward in terms of having guys in the same area. I mean, you definitely want to fix those types of things. But ultimately, you got to catch the passes that hit your hands. You got to make the plays. And I think that that's something that, that um, to me is the biggest factor, as well as, um, not being so conservative because at times we've seen this offense get conservative, particularly in the second half. And so I feel like Todd Munkin is hearing all of these things in terms of like people talking about the conservativeness of this game um, and when the second half starts. And it felt like that they were more balanced and more consistent um, in that second half. And they kept their foot on the gas uh, against them as well. Oh, didn't even mention the Gus Edwards um, throw as well, because it was very similar to what we talked about with uh, Pat Ricard and Mark oh, yeah. Andrews so because I think a lot of people think that that was a run no that's a pass play you know what yeah, I mean like it, it was a because as I went back and rewatched the game uh um Zay is out running a route as well I mean I think it was just a RPO I don't know if if Gus was I don't know if Gus had a route I think Gus kind of did that on his own yes but yeah I, I do I, I think it, it was a RPO play and also to your point of, uh, I'm sorry, uh, to, to um, Kurt Warner saying that it was clunky. He was talking about the space. And there are a couple of examples of that. I mean, you look at Odell's first catch. I believe it was his first catch. There's like three receivers in that yes. space. Odell just comes and pretty much intercepts the ball. Yes. Uh, but I, and I know exactly the play that you're yeah. I do think that that play was made for Odell. But there, is it Mark Andrews or Zay? Somebody's striking down the field yeah. in the same area. And to the point where – when you first see it live, you're like, was that ball supposed to be for Odell or the mm-hmm. dude that was going down the field? And I do think that when I looked at the replay, it does look like it's for Odell. But like you said, they're too close. And they just do have to find a way to get a little separation there in that regard. Luckily for the Ravens, it worked out perfectly. But I agree with you that, you know, I understand some of the concerns about the spacing. And I think that that's something that they'll, they'll be able to get better as the season goes along. I know it's midway through the season. I understand. But you're like, well, when is this going to get better now? And I, I get it. But there's, you know, it's week eight. They have, what, nine more games to play. I mean, there's still more time for improvement uh, from this offense. And I definitely think that the Ravens are in position to be better. All right, we've given the offense a lot of love, Cordell, but let's give some flowers to the defense and the expectations that they have uh, lived up to. Um, I remember when uh, Wink Martindale was relieved of his duties. I don't want to say fired because, well, I mean, you know, I think it, they just decided. Resign. They, the mutual design. It was a, a mutual, mutual resigning. I think that they both decided, hey, we have to move forward and part ways. Um, you know, I, I remember the backlash that people got from it. And I remember, you know, um, obviously the week two game last year against the Dolphins, people were questioning Mike McDonald's hire. And I, I was – to me was never um, uh, wavered. I always felt like his schemes were very good. And I I just felt like give him a little bit of time. He'll be fine. And then of course the defense started rolling down the stretch. And to me, they've just 
elevated their game in 2023. You know, we had so many questions about, oh, what's this team going to do in terms of getting um, to the quarterback and putting pressure on the quarterback? And, you know, Marlon is going to be out for some time. Oh, my God, Brandon Stevens. Oh, Marcus Williams is going to be out. Oh, what's going to happen? I mean, there were so many question marks um, throughout the first few weeks in terms of what this defense was going to look like. And, yes, I'm going to give Mike McDonald some flowers because I do think that from a schematic perspective, he is a big part of what it is that they're doing in terms of success. But we got to start giving these players props, man. These players have been phenomenal. And guys that um, whether you expected them to step up or whether you just didn't know and this has just been a pleasant surprise, either way, these players have been phenomenal in this defense. And the Ravens are now one of the best defenses in the National Football League. Uh, easily, easily. I mean, number one, you can't score against this Ravens defense. And if you can't score, you can't win. Ravens defense is only a, a allowing just under 14 points a game. I mean, that's just in today's NFL. To, that, yep. is, that is dominant. That is that's flat out dominant. So many questions about the pass rush coming into this season. The Ravens are averaging just over four sacks a game. No other team is averaging four sacks a game. I mean, and, and this is without them having a premier pass rusher or a big name pass rusher because Matabike is starting to look like uh, one of the top interior pass rushers in the NFL. I've yep. talked glowingly about um, Patrick Queen and how I think he's a, a, a really good pass rusher in his own right from the middle linebacker spot. But th this team has just been out of this world good. And that's with their secondary filled with a guy, a, a lot of veteran guys that were signed on the back end of the offseason and younger guys who on a national level are no namers. I mean, who knows Brandon Stevens outside of Baltimore? At this point, how many people know who Geno Stone is outside of Baltimore? Rockets in. I mean, they that was one that they signed in the offseason that seemed at the time like, okay, we'll see how this goes. But he's been really good for them. Uh, Arthur Millette has, has been really, really good for them. And he was one of those guys. I didn't even have Arthur Millette making the team initially. I mean, mm -hmm. I think the injury to Marlon Humphrey ended up making that. Uh, a situation where he was on the roster, but he doesn't even start the year on the active roster. It's kind of like, what is the plan with him? And he has pretty much shored up that nickel corner spot for them right now at a pivotal time because Kyle Hamilton can't go there as much as they'd like because of the injury to Marcus Williams. Marlon Humphrey, they don't want to make him an exclusive inside uh, uh, corner. So, Arthur Millette has really showed his weight and goal for the Ravens, not only in coverage, but also as a blitzer as well. Saw him get the sack on Sunday against Detroit. So I just think this defense on all three levels have really shown up big time. Um, Jadavian Clowney, I mean, Calvin Noy. It's, I mean, the names go on and on. You see Adafi Owe come back after missing, what, a month yeah. or so and gets a sack in his first game back. Uh, that linebacker duo with Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith is still elite. Um, I, Kyle Hamilton is just doing everything. It just seems like he's flying all over the field. And I, I just think back to 
how he looked in the first half of last season in his rookie year where he just looks lost and still trying to figure out not only his role, but even figure out his assignment half the time. And now he just plays with such confidence and he's playing so fast and so physical. Um, Everybody on this defense, I think, is feeding off each other. Player-wise, I think it starts with Roquan because he sets the tone um, just even with some of the things that he says to us, the media, going into the game and um, and then how he goes out there and backs it up and then talks <laughs> more after the game. I mean, that's that gives you vintage Ravens defense vibes. I mean, right. honestly, it, it really does. You, I've talked to a couple of media members that truly believe Roquan could play with any of the old errors of the Ravens defenses. He, he He's one of the few guys that, that you could put him in any of those defenses and he'll still succeed. So I, I just think this Ravens defense, they're going to that, that, that they're what makes this team uh, potentially elite outside of obviously Lamar and some of the guys that they have on offense. This defense has shown themselves to be the most consistent part of this team. And in this day and age, if you got a defense like the one that they have with the capabilities that they have on the offensive side of the ball, man, it, 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 the sky could really be the limit for this team. Absolutely. And I, I want to go back to a couple of things. So Meta BK um, has five and a half sacks, which is the same amount of sacks that Montez Sweat has. Um, the, the same amount of sacks that uh, Kayvon Thibodeau has, and they've played the same amount of games. Um, he has more sacks than Michael Parsons, although Michael Parsons did have a bye week. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, the, the, the fact remains is that Michael Par- these are guys that I think that people absolutely thought would be um, in the running in terms of having sacks. Um, and he has more sacks as well than Aiden Hutchison. These are guys that when you talk about those guys, you definitely think that they are going to be up there in the upper echelon of sack leaders. Justin Metabike is not a guy. I don't think that anybody thought would be no. a guy with, that would be in a conversation about being in the sack conversation and yet he's done it Geno Stone leading the league with four interceptions Geno Stone signed a one-year deal he was an undrafted I mean he not uh, he was not an undrafted free agent but at one point he was on the practice squad for the Ravens I think he had a quick stint when he left and came back and he really has found his niche um which is why you know how I feel Cordell I do feel like sometimes players take a minute to develop mm-hmm. and you know the Ravens saw the potential in him and wanted him to stay. And then they stuck with him and that has benefited them, especially with the Marcus Williams injury. It has benefited them um, greatly. Um, You mentioned, you know, guys coming back like away and stuff. And this team is still not a hundred percent healthy. You know, Ty is from from the way that he spoke, doesn't feel like he's going to be out for the season. He feels like at some point he'll be back playing football. Um, you don't know what Ajabo, but remember John Harbaugh said that it doesn't look like it's season end, ending. So it, that could potentially be something that, that we'll see later on down the stretch when the games get harder. And of course, Marcus Williams, who, you know, yes, he's dealing with hamstring injury as well as the pec injury, but hopefully he can get some time to rest um, both of those situations. And when the, the games get harder moving forward in the second half of the season, he'll be back to play. So this defense, as good as they are, still don't have everybody involved oh and by the way you know guys like Cal Van Noy who was sitting at home eating Cheetos probably like you and me just a couple weeks ago just walked in and said here's three sacks yeah 
you know, yep. you know, history sacks. There you go. I mean, yeah, I can still play. And he mm -hmm. has played at a high level immediately, which is crazy to me that he was even, you know, sitting on the couch. And look, maybe you have the situation to do that. Furthermore, um, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, and Dominic Sue went on TV and said that the Ravens reached out to him um, a week ago about potentially joining their team. And so, you know, people will say, oh, my God, but, that you know, this defense, this, they're already good. Look, the Ravens are, are probably not satisfied. They want to be the best. You see Philadelphia still making trades and still bringing in guys for their team. They're trying to build their super roster. The Ravens aren't susceptible of that either. And if they feel like Indominus Sue is able to still play at a high level and he is able to reach the price that they're in that they can afford, I can see this happening because you know he ain't going to nobody that ain't a contender. I mean he's already oh, kind of yeah. made that known. But ultimately I absolutely can see the Ravens saying, yes, this this defense is great, but I want a little bit more. I just yeah. want a little bit more. Always could use more. You never know what could happen on the injury front. Um, yep. you got some veterans on that front on that front group, so you never know what can happen with them. A couple of them have uh, uh injury histories that probably worry you anyway. So yeah, I mean, and I'm a Nebraska guy, so I'm always <laughs> with you know, and Dominican Sue coming around. He that dude was just a monster yes, in college was. and uh even in the pros, he had his moments to where the dude was just arguably the best defensive tackle in the league at times. So I don't know how much he has left at this point in his career, but it's not like the Ravens are going to ask him to give yeah, every you know, down guy. Yeah, right, right. So with especially with as good as Matabike's playing right now, I think Broderick Washington is playing at a high level as well. Travis Jones and, and Brent Urban will still be in the fold. So yeah, if they add in. And then Dominican Sue, I mean, he definitely fits the type of nastiness that that defense likes um, to play with. So I, I, I'm all for it. I am all for it. If he joins, this defense will go from nasty to nasty-er. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, that Hopefully is Hopefully he's not stepping on people. That, that Well, I think, I'm hoping that we're past that point. Right. I'm hoping that the, that, that type of nastiness has been going <laughs> from him as he's an older guy at this point, just trying right. to win, you know, just trying to get a Super Bowl. So hopefully, you know, he's still got the nasty streak, but not the, like, stomping on people right <laughs> we'll see how this goes so we'll be following that uh because i'm sure he's not going to do anything before november he kind of jovially mm -hmm. made that 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 comment that you know he ain't doing nothing before november because he's enjoying his time um but we'll see what happens from that point on on our next episode we will move to arizona we'll see how we think that the Ravens will match up against the Scrappy Cardinals, because we call them Scrappy already, and so that's exactly what they are. They're Scrappy. So uh, we'll talk about what we can see or what we expect to see from um, both sides of the ball as well as coaching and our final scores as well. I would like to add that Cordell and I both picked the Ravens to beat the Detroit Lions. I know we thought it was close. I mean, I think most people would have thought it was close, but listen, the rest of this media uh, picked the Lions so you should listen to Winning Drive more mm -hmm. because we know the Ravens more than anybody else on any of these other shows. We know our team more than anybody, and we are willing to be honest if they, if we believe that they're going to win these games or not. We'll tell you what our predictions are for Sunday's game against the Cardinals. We want to thank you all for listening. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive.
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.